and oft-times mumbling host of the Won't Stay Dead podcast. Um, this mini-episode, or I suppose, yeah, uh, mini-sode, I should say, will be um, focusing on a, a newfound footage film that's just been released in uh, the US and Canada called Infliction. Uh, the film's been doing the indie circuit in America, uh, and it's um, kind of obtained a bit of a cult following. Uh, I actually um, had the pleasure uh, of talking to director uh, Jack Thomas Smith uh, about um, his latest venture. Uh, so uh, I'll let him do the talking. And first up, to get you in the mood, the trailer. We have to go up there. I can't do that. We talked about this for years. No, you talked about this for years. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the cameras? We're shooting a documentary. Are you gonna be showing good people or bad? Is there a difference? What are you doing? <laughs> you know why we're taping this. It doesn't make any sense. But it does. This means something to it. John, what's on these tapes? Get shot. What's on the tapes? Well, to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I'm a uh, – first of all, my name's Jack Thomas Smith, and I'm a uh, feature film director, writer, and producer. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing this, God, for about 20 years now. I well, honestly, I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, I was I at a young age, I was inspired to uh, to get into writing and and filmmaking. I was uh, one of those kids that saw Star Wars when I was like eight years old, and it just absolutely blew me away. Um, and, uh, you know, shortly after that, I read The Shining by Stephen King. And uh, between seeing Star Wars and, and reading The Shining, <clears throat> you know, eight, nine years old, I was like, that was it. I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was write and make films. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of uh, professional, uh, I've been doing it for about 20 years. Back in the 90s, uh, I produced a couple of, you know, low budget independent films. Uh, one was called The Regenerated Man. Um, I did that with an independent film director named Ted Bohus uh, in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, we did the film for about 75 grand. Uh, we turned around and sold it for about double our investment. Um, yeah, so we did real well with that. And then a couple years later, I uh, did a film with John Russo, who uh, actually uh, co-wrote and co-produced the original Night of the Living Dead. We, uh, we did this film called Santa Claus, and it was spelled C-L-A-W-S. And it was basically about a guy in a Santa Claus ca- uh, costume hacking people up. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, same thing. I mean, I, you know, I produced it. I didn't really have a lot to do artistically with that film. It was more, you know, producing, managing the money, all of that, uh, raising the financing for it. But, uh, you know, same thing. We got a distribution deal out of it, uh, got our money back, made a profit. Um, and then ultimately, you know, what was great about working with Ted and John was that I was young. I learned a lot about the business. You know, I learned about set etiquette, what everyone does on set. And, and I also learned one thing I did learn from John was you don't need to have 500 people on a set to make a movie. I mean, you know, you can do it with a skeleton crew and it will keep costing. I mean, you're basically working your crew to the bone. But, <clears throat> you know, the the whole point is the end result. I mean, you want as much of your money going up on screen as humanly possible. Um, so having learned that from Ted and John, uh, that helped apply to when I did uh, the first film that I directed, uh, which was a film called Disorder. Um, I wrote it, produced it, directed it. Uh, we shot it in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, it was independent film and uh, we got very lucky with it. Uh, Universal uh, released it in the U.S. on DVD. Um, Warner Brothers released it in the U.S. on pay-per-view video on demand. Uh, and I had a foreign sales agent sell it all over all over the world, different territories. Um, so, yeah, so we uh, we got very lucky with that. Um, and it was a rush, man, like walking into a Walmart and, and there it is, you know, sitting on the new release shelf. You know, that was... Uh, that was real cool. I mean, I, I don't think people realize, <clears throat> um, you know, you're talking there's thousands of movies that get made every year, independent movies that never see the light of day. So for us to have that kind of success with Disorder, I mean, it wasn't epic success. You know, I mean, we didn't get a 4,000 screen release or anything like that, but how many indies do? So we, we got lucky with that. Um, and then that kind of leads up to Infliction, which is my new film. Um, <clears throat> the best way I describe infliction is that it's a assembled footage film that documents a murder spree that was committed by two brothers in North Carolina in 2011 and the disturbing truth behind their actions. Uh, it's a very dark film, uh, very brutal, doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, uh, but it's very character driven and very story driven. It, and, and the thing that's funny is if you get a chance to watch it, you're going to find yourself asking who who are the true criminals in this and who are the true victims. One of the things I was wondering was the film is kind of coming up about at a time when uh, the fine footage genre uh, or subgenre is uh, really taking off and it's uh, it's a big deal. I mean, have you always been a fan of the uh, fine footage genre? I mean, are you a fan of... The classics like uh, you know Blair Witch or uh, Cannibal Holocaust or anything like that. Well, you know I, that's actually a great question because <clears throat> um, I did like Blair Witch, um, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the genre. To be honest with you, um, I'm. I'm not. I don't. I don't hate found footage films. I mean, it's just like with any movie. If it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it, it doesn't. I've seen uh, like Quarantine. I thought was cool. I, I dug Quarantine. I don't. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh yes, wasn't that the remake of the Spanish film Wreck? Yes, you're right. You're right. I know I'm American, man, so I always see things like that. You know, 
<laughs> and I apologize, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, quarantine, the one in L.A. You're right. It was a remake of a, of a I believe it was a Mexican film, right? I, I think it was. I think the original was done in Mexico or Spain or something like that. But anyway, I thought that was cool. I saw the American version and I thought that was cool. So, <clears throat> you know, and then I've seen found footage films that I don't really like. So it's like with anything. But to answer your question, if I didn't I didn't set out to do a found footage film. Essentially, the story dictated the way it was shot. And what I mean by that is, is that there's a reason why the brothers are documenting what they're doing. The video cameras have a purpose um, and <clears throat> it, it ties in to why they're doing it. And it deals with something that had happened to them. And it, it's why they're doing this and why they're documenting it. So, you know, and it's funny because sometimes when you see these found footage films, it's like, you know, you know, there's like a monster chasing, you know, destroying New York, chasing everyone through the streets. And it's like, you know, it's like, dude, put down the camera and run, you know, it's like, I mean, but with this, they were adamant about documenting everything that they're doing because it all pertains to why they're doing it. The story dictated that this was the way it was to be shot. So it wasn't so much like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do a found, found footage film because I'm obsessed with the genre and I want to do my own thing. I mean, that. It, it, and it was funny because when I did set out and, and start doing infliction, I had to really study the genre, you know, it was like, OK, you know what? How how are these scenes shot this way? You know, because I was more of like a traditional film guy. You know, you get your wide shot and then, you know, you to establish and then, you know, you push in medium close up, you know, all of that. So this was a little bit of a different animal for me. Um, and, you know, I figured it out. and. I mean, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty, I don't want to say simple, but it was pretty uh, like common sense, you know, if that makes sense. You know, it's like if you're telling the whole film through the, uh, you know, through the perspective of one of the characters holding a video camera, then you have to just stay true to that. You know, so it's 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 a, it's a little it's harder, though, because at least with a traditional film, you know, you can do your establishing shots and all that. You can also do cutaways. And see what other other characters are doing, you know, at the same time as as your main characters. But with a <clears throat> with a found footage film, it's um, good God. I mean, you're you're married to it. It's like everything is told through that camera that your character is holding. So you can't you can't cross cut. You can't jump around. You can't do flashbacks because how are you going to show flashbacks if it's a found footage film? You know, at least shooting it as if it's real time, you know. So, uh, so there are some challenges to it. One of the other things I was kind of wondering was um, both this film and uh, Disorder kind of deal with um, psychosis or mental illness in some kind of uh, description. So is that a subject that's kind of important to you? Is that something that you um, are attracted to as a, as a director? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm glad that you noticed that. I mean, in, in Disorder, the, the main character is a paranoid schizophrenic and the entire film is told from his perspective. So you're not sure what's real, what isn't. And then right when you think you have it all figured out, there's a twist ending to it. <clears throat> and then with Infliction, um, it really deals with the long term effects of child abuse. I mean, that's really what the whole storyline is. 
Um, it deals with the long-term effects of child abuse and it essentially, it, it essentially shows how someone who has suffered abuse, what they have to do to take back their lives, to basically define themselves instead of allowing their abusers to define them. So a lot of it deals with empowerment. It's taking back their lives from their abusers. So, yeah, I mean, when I write, I definitely like to deal with the psychological aspects of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of just, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not a fan of torture porn. I'm just not. <clears throat> I'm not. I, I just can't get into that. You know, how many different ways can we, you know, kill half naked girls? I just it's it to me. It's like I just don't dig it. You know, it's like I. I want to see something with substance and something that makes you think, you know, where, you know, it, it's OK. You know, what's going to happen next and that whole edge of your seed. And um, and I just I love films that have you talking afterwards, you know, like I mean, I don't know if you ever saw Frailty, the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxson, but I absolutely love that movie. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> Great movie, if you ever get a chance. It came out in 2000, and it's a psychological thriller. Um, really good. I mean, I could go right down the list on those types of films. Um, but I, I just I love those movies that kind of leave you talking afterwards, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, so from that standpoint, that's the type of stuff that I like to write. I love to dive into the human psyche, like what makes people tick. Honestly, that's why I was I'm, like to me, one of my favorite TV shows of all times, if not my favorite TV shows, The Sopranos. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch that show, but it, it it's not just a mob story. I know on the surface, it's like, oh, you know, it's a mob story. And, you know, it shows a guy, you know, a mafia guy in New Jersey, which ironically is my neck of the woods. The, the show, sort of God, the show takes place in northwest New Jersey. That's exactly where I live is northwest New Jersey. So they absolutely nailed the writing, though, man. I mean, it is just they had the dialogue, the locations, the way we talk, the way we act here. I mean, they nailed it. But beyond that, what made that show so good was that it just wasn't a mob story, you know, guys, you know, whacking people. I mean, the characters, they had a psychology there, you know, like the main character, Tony, was a sociopath. So he hit all the markers, you know, he couldn't feel empathy for people, but but he loved animals. And that's a trait of sociopaths is that, you know, they love dogs, they love pets, they love animals, they can feel for animals, but they can't feel for other human beings. It's like the weirdest thing, you know? So I just, I love anything that has to do with, with just kind of diving into the human psyche. And it's interesting that you're talking about uh, delving into the human psyche because the whole kind of notion of, you know, uh, filming a, a serial killer, filming their murders kind of reminded me a bit of Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Great movie. Um, and I was wondering, you know, was that an influence or... Um... I love that film. I absolutely love that film. It's nothing like Henry. Um, I mean, but I've I've heard that people have gotten that same perception from it, which is cool. I mean, it's totally cool. <clears throat> it, it's nothing like Henry, but because Henry, they were more um, they were just serial killers. I mean, they were sick. They were completely sick in the head and demented. They were psychotic, whereas the brothers in infliction um, these guys aren't psychotic. I mean, they're not, there's a reason why they're doing it. And, 
Um, it just it's not random thrill kills. They're specifically targeting certain people, and there's a reason for it. Uh, would you say that uh, Infliction is a violent film, or um, you know, is it gory, uh, or is uh, gore or violence something that you kind of um, look towards uh, when you're when you're making films? It depends. Um, <clears throat> it really depends if it's necessary. I mean, I I gore gore doesn't scare me. Um, I have no problem with gore. I think it's cool if it works. Um, but the sheer sake of gore to have gore doesn't work. So infliction is it's a violent film. I'm not I'm not going to deny that it is a violent film, but it's also a very character driven, story driven film. <clears throat> I, one way I could describe it is it's almost like a um, it's almost like an artistic uh, character-driven found footage film, if that makes sense. It's, I mean, it's very story-driven, very character-driven, but there are elements of horror to it. And there, there are brutal scenes. There's brutal acts in it. Um, there, there is that horror element to it. Um, <clears throat> but it really is driven by what these brothers are going through and what they're trying to accomplish and it's it's intense and it's it's funny a lot of people have said that after they've seen it because we've done a bunch of screenings in the US we've had screenings in New York and North Carolina in Virginia <coughs> excuse me we've been all over the place with it and then we've had Q&As afterwards and uh the Q&A sessions have been pretty lively i mean people are like very passionate about it they seem to have very strong opinions about the film and uh, it's funny because it's really connecting with women. That's the other thing that I've noticed is that it seems to be really connecting with women. Uh, and it's funny because whenever you deal, whenever you deal with child abuse, you know, especially with moms, you that's when you get the claws out. So it definitely seems to be striking a chord with women. But I have to say, it doesn't really sound like there's uh, much humor uh, in the film. I mean, uh, are you kind of a fan of of that style of horror filmmaking? You know, like the, kind of Peter Jackson or Sam Raimi. Is that something that you do in yours? No, I don't do that. To be honest with you, um, I mean, it's funny because when you, when you watch the films, uh, you know, like there are certain parts. You know, I mean, in Disorder. You know, there were a couple of lines here and there, you know, and same thing in Infliction. There's a couple of lines here and there. But for the most part, they're pretty serious. Um, they, it hits you over the head. They're pretty and both films are pretty intense. More more so Infliction is, is more intense than Disorder. Yeah, it's not there's not really a lot of lighthearted moments. I've seen it screening. So nervous laughter. It's like there's a couple parts where it's like you can hear people where, you know, something had just happened and I don't want to give away too much, but it's like, you know, you hear someone like laugh, but it's, it's like a nervous laugh, you know? So yeah, I don't, I, and I like Sam Raimi. I, I really do. I like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the original Evil Dead. I mean, Evil Dead's amazing. Um, I, I, I honestly think it's his best movie to this day. I mean, that's, you know, that's my opinion. I, I, I think he's, I, I'm a big fan um, but that's not really that's not really my style. So, is there a likelihood that the film uh, Infliction might come out in the UK or um, uh, uh, Europe? We're working on it. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually uh, uh, waiting to hear back from a UK distributor 
uh, to see if they do want to pick it up. Um, I'm sure eventually it will get released in the UK. There seems there seems to be a lot of interest in the UK for this film. Um, we're running about a, a dozen different Twitter accounts, and we've got over 20,000 followers between all the accounts combined. Um, and Twitter's getting us internal numbers, uh, how many people are viewing these different accounts. We've had over 500,000 views on these accounts combined. And a lot of it is in the UK. I mean, there seems to be a lot of interest in the UK. Honestly, I mean, you guys will get this film. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, you guys will get it. And I, I mean, and that's a compliment because it's, um, I, I kind of perceive the UK as, you know, they tend to uh, dig more of the, um, the, how can I say it, more intelligent type of horror films. You know, it doesn't have to be splatter and in your face. I mean, they can actually uh, get the, you know, the more uh, psychological, uh, you know, uh, paced type of films, if that makes sense. It's actually a compliment to you guys. So, um, I'm dying for it to be released over there. And it, it will happen. We're just, you know, we're trying to get a deal over there. Would you ever consider taking it on the uh, European um, festival circuit? Yeah, I would love to. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's something I should definitely look into. Uh, I've been so consumed with the U.S. right now because actually it's coming out uh, in the U.S. and Canada uh, tomorrow on DVD. It's going to be released uh you know, it's a, it's available at Walmart, Best Buy, Barnes and Noble, um, uh, iTunes. Uh, it's going to be on Google Play, uh, uh, Vudu. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other ones. Vimeo on demand. It's going to be on Netflix. So um, actually, it won't be available tomorrow on Netflix. It'll be available in a few months on Netflix. What the plan is with the distributor is to generate as many DVD sales and as many uh, digital downloads as possible before it goes to Netflix. So the first step is going to be DVD, digital, <clears throat> excuse me, digital downloads, and then it will be on Netflix. So, yeah, right now my focus has been on the uh, U.S. and Canada release. Uh, but now, I'm, you know, my focus is starting to shift toward international um, and like I said, we're waiting actually for an offer from a, a company in the UK and Australia. So uh, knock on wood. I mean, hopefully they'll come back and want to pick it up. And uh, if not, we'll just keep uh, we'll keep looking. Each week on our uh, podcast, we uh, discuss our we pick a different um, one of our favorite horror films. So I thought maybe um, I would ask you if you'd like to kind of tell me your favorite horror film, you know, uh, or the, the horror films that inspired you the most. Sure. Um, my all-time favorite horror film is the original Dawn of the Dead by George Romero. It's absolutely amazing. The one that takes place in the mall, I just um, <clears throat> huge fan. I, I mean, I that is my number one. Uh, I would probably say a close second would be Halloween, the original Halloween. Um, I'm a big John Carpenter guy. I love Brian De Palma. Uh, like I said, George Romero, all of those guys. I mean, those guys from the 70s and the early 80s were just just amazing. I mean, I'm a big Brian De Palma guy, too. And, and it's funny, if you ever have a chance to see Disorder, you can see Brian De Palma all over that, you know. So, yeah, it's very and I guess and I guess, you know, Brian De Palma had to have been heavily influenced by Hitchcock. I mean, his style is very similar to uh, to Hitchcock. But yeah, Dawn of, Dawn of the Dead, man. I absolutely love that flick. 
cool. Well, I, I, I guess it's time to probably uh, r- wrap things up. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for talking to me. It was great talking to you, and I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, when you get a chance to see it, I, I'd love to talk to you about it further and get your opinion on it. Cool. Yeah, will do. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again for speaking to me, and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. All Cheers. right, thanks, man. And I'll, uh, I'll let you go and have a good night, man. Get out here. I need the police out here right now. What's going on, sir? My neighbors have been murdered. 911.